But if I was to say an Easter egg, I wonder what you'd be thinking of. Would you be thinking of something that's big, that you have to crack open and share? Or maybe you'd be thinking of those traditional ones, the eggs that were painted, possibly red, to be a member of the, the blood of Christ. Um, you might think of eggs reminding us of new life. And maybe two of the stone rolled away. Um, when I, uh, where I grew up, uh, in the Scottish borders that we, we had a dye works that used to dye wool still does dye wool but it used to dye wool and we used to take eggs that were put into the big vat where they dyed the wool and it, it dyed them really bright colours I wouldn't advise eating any of those eggs <laughs> It used to go straight through the shell into the egg itself. The egg inside was coloured. But then we used to go and roll them and see uh, how far we could get them to go. But there's a different type of Easter egg. One that you don't eat, one that's not even egg-shaped necessarily. There's an Easter egg... Uh, which is a hidden thing, uh, perhaps on a DVD, um, a little clip, an outtake or something hidden away, maybe an extra track on a CD that's not on the cover note, or sometimes in a computer program, there's an extra bit of code that's not malicious, it doesn't wipe out everything, but it gives you a little game or an extra treat uh, as a special gift, an, an Easter egg. Today, the 1st of April, if you visit Google Maps, don't do that now necessarily, um, but if you visit Google Maps today, the, there's Where's Wally? Wally appears from the side of the screen, and you can click on the, the red and white dressed uh, person, and or if you're American, Where's Waldo, I suppose, um, and you go off and you can play Where's Wally on pictures from different parts of the globe, uh, finding Wally and four of his friends. And when you find Wally, the next picture is unlocked for you to go to. The character's position, though, in that picture, once you've found him, or his friend, you can easily find him again. But it can take a while to find him in the first place. You have to look. You have to study. And while you're looking for the other ones, keep saying, I've seen that one. I know where that one is. Once you've got the picture of where Wally is in the frame, you can easily come back to it. But finding him in the first place is a bit difficult. Perhaps our passage today is, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? 
The women think they know exactly where he is. They had seen the body taken to the tomb. They knew where the body was laid. It was there, inside the cave, and then a big stone was rolled across. That is where they will find him. They have the picture still in their mind from that late Friday afternoon. But the tomb is open, and a search has to begin. A puzzlement. The women got up early for this, for this walk. And it was to perform a task that they maybe weren't really looking forward to, that nobody ever would perhaps look forward to. It wasn't something that could be described as pleasant, but they wanted to bring honour to their friend. There's no sense of joyfulness as they approach, just an understanding that Jesus had died on the cross and that it's been a very long Sabbath wait since then. A very long wait. The women and the other disciples have had the deepest sorrow. They have been grieving their great friend, but the rest of the city has parted. Not parted at the death of Jesus, but it has been the Passover, the great festival, which remembered how God did not forget his people. He didn't leave them in Egypt, but he rescued them. He brought them out to new life. And as the question is asked in family homes, what makes this night different from other nights? Why are we doing this act of remembrance? For the followers, the thing that would have made it different was their loss of dreams the lack of hope, their shattered futures. But for the rest of the city of Jerusalem, it was thoughts of God's love, and the place would have thronged with happiness, which probably made it even worse for the followers of Jesus on the Friday and the Saturday. For the followers that a week ago had praised the donkey-riding king of peace, there was now deep sorrow. But the Sunday came and changed that. From a distance, the woman might have seen the stone rolled away and wondered what was going on. As they look inside, they struggle to comprehend, you know, the picture that they had has changed. It's not matching up. And then there's two men in gleaming clothes explaining. Two men bringing a most joyful message. A message that's a delight to the ears. He has risen. 
angels have had a key part to play in Luke. They were speaking to Zechariah and to Mary, to shepherds on the hillside of Bethlehem. The strange men stood next to Jesus at the transfiguration, and they will appear again after Jesus ascends to heaven in the first chapter of Luke's book of Acts of the Apostles. Each time an envoy of God appears, he not only brings information, but speaks words that will surprise and change the lives of those that will hear. The angel brings a message that the world is now different. I wonder how long it takes the words to settle on the women. How much faster their hearts suddenly start to beat. Did their eyes widen and take in every detail of what was really going on? And how did they feel as the angels told them, you should have already known this. Jesus had said that the Son of Man would be raised. You should have known that there'd be no body. I wonder if we understand fully the hope that can be had. I wonder if we fully take in that joy that can be had. I wonder if we take in the other teaching too, the messages, the teaching of Jesus. What do we need to be reminded of? To love our neighbors as ourselves? To love our enemies? That God has such love for the world that he gave his only son? And what do we do when we do remember? Do we take that message and do we share it? Do we tell our neighbor that they are loved? Do we share the good news that Christ is risen? Do we share it with those who have heard and forgotten the story? and with those that have never heard it? Does it make us change in how we react to each other when it does come alive in us? Or does the story of grace and mercy simply wash over us and we continue the next day as we did the previous one? The women knew what to do. They went to remind the others of Jesus' earlier words and say, it has come true. The tomb is empty. In other Gospels, we would now see a meeting with Jesus. But here in Luke, the story suggests that the women have already fully woken up to the truth that Jesus is alive, that death is beaten that the resurrection has taken place. 
and to the knowledge that that means that we too can beat death. We too can have a life beyond the grave. We too can live forever with the Father. The women are the first evangelists. But on their return to Jerusalem, the men do not listen. And they do not accept it. The eleven and the others, however many others there were, don't believe. They think it's nonsense. What the, what the women bring them is like the, the worst trick you would give to an apprentice. You know, I don't, I don't know whether Joe's ever been told to go for a long stand, you know, or a tin of tartan paint, or a big weight. Some of the tricks that are sometimes played on people. How can he not be there, the men are thinking? How can he not be in the grave? What you're speaking is a load of rubbish. But it's not simply one woman's testimony, nor two, nor three. Only three are named, but there are others there too that have witnessed it. The disciples and the other friends of Jesus remain lost in their thinking. There was a structure and an order in place which did the purpose of the mission of God at this time no good. Women we haven't listened to. The women were not considered good witnesses simply because they were women. So why would they speak sense? But yet the Lord has given them the message to take to the world. Christ is risen. The wider church still today at times doesn't listen to the message that Paul gives to the Galatian church that there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. We have an equal hope in the risen Christ for every believer and every background that they come from. The Lord calls and equips by his Holy Spirit people from every background to serve in every way. God continues to give the message to the disenfranchised. But do we, the privileged, listen to their insights? Christ is risen. The message is there, but it's not heard. The passage suggests that the men just don't listen, don't hear. But maybe something of their testimony 
is accepted by Peter. Because for him, it's been an even harder couple of days. For Peter, it's not like the other disciples who simply stayed at a distance. But he had denied the Lord. Now he wants to accept. He goes on his own private journey to the tomb. Perhaps in a hope to be redeemed. And here, here he sees the strips of linen, the grave clothes, and is left wondering. Wondering, perhaps, did the women tell me that story? Did the angels come? Jesus is not here. He's not among the dead. He is risen. There is life. The answer to where's Jesus is that he's not in the tomb. He's not in the tomb. But for an encounter with him, in Luke at least, we have to wait until the evening. And the walk to Emmaus, as other followers struggle to comprehend the events of that day. And if you want to hear that, you have to come back at half past six. Please do join us for Easter praise. But for now, let us be like the women, knowing, accepting, and proclaiming that Jesus is alive. Amen.